This is the Washington Indivisible Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Cox. Shukri Olo is a community organizer working with residents of South King County on a variety of issues, including housing, education, and human services. She is also an immigrant and a refugee of the Somali Civil War. Shukri holds a master's in public administration and a doctorate in education from Seattle University. She is running for state representative in the 47th LD, which includes Kent and South King County. It is always such a delight to see you, my friend. How are you? It's a delight to be here, my friend. Thank you so much for having me. I am doing well. How are you? I'm good. Well, let's put the focus on you because you're the one running for office and the primary is just around the corner. So how's the campaign going so far? Yeah, you mentioned I'm running for an open seat here in the 47th Legislative District, which includes the cities of Kent, Covington, and Auburn. This is the seat that Representative Pat Sullivan held for 18 years and has served this community honorably. Uh, The campaign is going well. Uh, Campaigning isn't my uh, favorite thing in the world, Um, (laughs) but we've had great conversations at the doors. We've been able to earn key endorsements, including uh, from my own children. Uh, You need the children's support here. Um, And we're almost at the finish line and hoping to move beyond the primary into the general. Oh, I love that. I love knowing that your children are, are, are right there behind you. That's wonderful. So let's start here. Since you're running for state legislature, let's talk a little bit about how you see the importance of state government, particularly in light of this radicalized Supreme Court uh, and the rulings that they have handed down, they will hand down. I wonder how you see the, the role specifically of the state legislature in the face of rulings like Dobbs overturning Roe v. Wade. I think the role of the state government is critical here. Uh, You mentioned in our brief conversation before going live that state government could be a firewall, right? Um, The place where our rights are protected and we're seeing our rights stripped away. Uh, They're coming for so many people who have been marginalized for so long, including women and non-binary people. And I think government has a role to play in ensuring that everyone in our community, in our state, has access to the rights that they deserve. Here, here. Um, and, you know, somewhat related here is the issue of public safety and policing. And we know that this is a, a hugely important issue in the 47th. We know that this is coming up already. Um, I would love to know, you mentioned you're out on the doors. What are you hearing from voters on this issue? Yeah, we are at the doors. We've been able to canvas about 6,000 doors so far in this campaign since announcing uh, back in April. Uh, We are hearing lots of conversations about public safety um, and housing affordability and access to mental health and many other things that people care about right here in the 47th Legislative District. Um, One of the things that I've been able to learn from last year's campaign, you know, I ran for King County Council District 5 last year and had an opportunity to lift up the experiences of families that were impacted by police violence. Um, And one of my hopes this year while I was running for this uh, open seat in the 47th is to be able to hear from a law enforcement perspective uh, what it means to be on the ground protecting and serving our communities. And so when I announced, uh, two weeks after I announced back in April, I did a ride-along 
uh, with a, an officer from the Camp PD trying to understand what a day in the life of an officer looks like. Uh, we visited some kind of hotspot areas in, uh, in the city of Canton. Uh, I think, you know, we have unrealistic expectations of officers sometimes, right? They're serving and protecting, but they're also providing mental health support. They're trying to make sure that someone who is unsheltered has access to a safe space. Um, similar to my thoughts on education, where we expect teachers to know it all and do it all, uh, we know that they can't do all the things. And so one of my uh, one of the things that we've been lifting up in this campaign as we're talking to our neighbors here in the 47th is, well, what does it look like to have a community that is safe, right? And that includes access to behavioral health and mental health support. Um, that, what does it look like to have communities that are safe? And uh, folks have said that my children are able to play in their playground and not be harmed by the perceptions of people. And so this is an evolving conversation that we're having with community, both with law enforcement uh, and our neighbors here in the district. And I continue uh, to learn more about their feedback to be able to lift it up in this campaign. Well, you know, you're hitting on so much here that is central to this discussion. And we know that Republicans very much want to frame this as an either or, right? You can either have public safety or accountability. You're trying to see both perspectives. You're trying to create this uh, holistic approach. We know your opponent is running a very police-friendly campaign. And her narrative is that the police are the only answer to public safety. How do you respond to that? It is not the only narrative to public safety. Uh, we need law enforcement that keeps all of us safe, right? We need law enforcement that also has access to the resources that they need to better do their job. Um, this isn't pie. You know, I get a slice and you get the other. No, this is an opportunity for us to lift up the narrative that uh, we need people that are held accountable to a higher standard uh, and people that are able to ensure that every single person in this community is safe. It's not an either or approach. We can do it all. We can have it both ways. Well, you know, I, I also want to bring in the topic of affordable housing because I know that you expressly connect public safety with affordable housing. Talk a little bit about how those two things go together in your mind. Um, you know, I mentioned last time in our conversation that I grew up in public housing. Uh, I grew up here in the city of Kent. I was raised in a public housing community called Birch Creek. Back in the day, it was called Springwood. Um, and it was we had a Section 8 voucher. And my mother was working two to three jobs in housekeeping. But what that voucher did was it kept us in place. It provided an opportunity for me as a young person to not worry about getting a job so that I can focus on my education, so that ultimately I can lift my family out of poverty. And that safety net isn't in place for a lot of people in our community, right? And uh, there is a connection between people uh, you know, experiencing not just housing uh, issues, but also mental health um, and you know, that connection to public safety. I think housing is a, a baseline. It is a, 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 an approach that we need to have first in place uh, so that we can continue to build on to the various levels of needs in our community, including public safety. I like that. Um, and I, I would just mention this because it, it, it's just a, a fact that there is a history of exclusionary zoning practices in your district and, and certainly elsewhere across the state and indeed the country. But how would you at a policy uh, level like to address that? Yeah, absolutely. And there, you know, you mentioned that this is a state level issue uh, across our state. Uh, we have these exclusionary policies that have kept people from being able to 
take part in uh, living in various communities, including right here in the 47th. One of the things that I'm most interested in, though, is working with our local elected officials and helping them to understand some of these exclusionary policies that have been in place and helping to unpack that. I think one of the things that I've noticed on the campaign trail, although a very short time, that there is a need to rebuild trust with our elected officials uh, so that there's an opportunity to explore things like missing middle housing, uh, where we can uh, ensure that there is a, a diverse housing option to meet the differing income and uh uh, generational needs of our community. Um, my hope is that I continue to build trust, build relationships so that we can uh, do away with the policies that have disproportionately impacted uh, black and brown communities in, in particular in this district. Absolutely. Um, I want to talk next about education because we know this is the centerpiece of your platform. As I mentioned, you have a PhD in education leadership. And I know your personal story is very intertwined with your work on education. Uh, from a, just a, a personal perspective, can you talk about the role that teachers have played in your life? Absolutely love this question, Stefan. Uh, you know, I came to this country at the age of 10 and after living uh, in six years in a refugee camp in Kenya following the Somali Civil War uh, and did not have access to an education until I entered Mrs. Christie's classroom uh, in Crestwood Elementary uh, in the city of Covington. Um, I'm not going to tell you how long ago that was, Stefan, because I don't want to date myself. <laughs> no, here, but I but love the fact it, that you give a shout out to your <laughs> teacher. I think that's just so wonderful. We always remember that the important teachers in our lives, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And Mrs. Christy Kelly uh, invited me into her classroom. We actually did a campaign mailer on her for this campaign. Um, and in the mailer, we mentioned that every morning as we entered her classroom, she would say to us, welcome, I'm glad you're here. Mm -hmm. uh, and so teachers, specifically my first teacher in this country, have impacted my life in so many ways. Uh, I would not be here without the people who have loved on me uh, who have supported my family, who have helped me see my potential, even when I didn't, or maybe especially when I didn't. And finally, who made me feel like I belong in this country as a Black immigrant, as a Muslim, as a young person, you know, trying to understand my place in this nation. Uh, I would not be who I am without the support of so many educators. And that's why I'm so honored to have the sole endorsement of the Washington Education Association, uh, who believe in our campaign and the vision for education here in the 47th and beyond. Well, fast forward to now, talk about some of the work that you're doing on education and how that's going to inform your approach to education policy. Absolutely. And it's so hard to try to remember all the things that I have been in um, community supporting um, our educators and, and our young people. But some high level highlights for me would be working on the Kent School Board levy that was just approved back in uh, February of this year, making sure that our voters understand what's at stake, that we need to have more counselors and more therapists in our school so that our children are able to access mental health support, especially because many of them have been impacted during this pandemic. I've also been adjunct faculty at Antioch University, helping the next generation of educators who are going to be in our classrooms 
you know, helping them understand um, what their role is and how to work with families who are newer to the country. Um, I have been uh, supporting our teachers at various strikes and conversations in community, uh, many meetings at the Kent School Board, trying to help shift the dialogue that's been happening there that isn't always helpful to our educators and also our students. Um, and so education is a passion area of mine. I would say that I am the education candidate in this race. Um, and I, I think it's so important to be able to lift up these things, not just as a candidate on the trail, but hopefully when elected. You mentioned funding there. And I think a lot of people see the McCleary ruling that uh, ordered the legislature to fully fund schools as the finish line in terms of education funding here in the state. I wonder where you feel that we are still coming up short. You mentioned mental health. Are there other areas where you think that we are coming up short on funding? And where would you like to see that money go? Absolutely. It is not the finish line. I would even say as a former marathon runner that it is a starting line. You know, it is the place where we are able to build on that level of um, decision that was made, which basically said we are not doing enough to make sure that our schools are fully funded. Um, I am deeply interested in making sure that we have mental health supports in place, but I'm also uh, really passionate about the workforce, right? I, I know that there's just this really negative uh, environment that has impacted our educators. Um, so many uh, misinformation out there, disinformation out there about what it is that they do. I want to make sure that they have the support that they need uh, to continue to lift up and uh, hold our students in all the ways that they've been holding them. I know that there's lots of data coming out now about the teacher um, exodus uh, of our education system. I have many friends who've left the education profession, including our field director, Christiana De Leon, uh, partly because of the challenges that teachers face. Yeah. Um, I wanna make sure that they have what they need uh, to endure. Uh, and part of that means helping to make sure that they're paid, um, that they're supported, that their mental health is in place, that they have access to the resources that they've been asking for uh, for decades. Someday we will live in a just world in which teachers are paid what they're worth here in the United States. Uh, hopefully I get to see Absolutely. that in my lifetime, and I'm sure you have the same hope. I didn't know that you ran marathons. What's your favorite marathon you've run? I, I used to run marathons as well, although not I, I wasn't terribly good at it, but I certainly enjoyed it. What was your favorite? Absolutely. Um, so this was actually a half marathon before COVID, uh, the Anacortes Run um, back in 2019. Very, very nice. Yeah, I got it. And I've been thinking about getting back out and doing another race. Um, so you've had a... I'm not because I'm not, I'm not ready for that, Stefan. <laughs> Well, what else, I mean, what do you have going on besides raising a family, having a full-time career, and running for for office? What else could you 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 have copious free time? I'm sure. I want to talk about some of your endorsements because you've had a just a, a string of of key endorsements here. You've got Stranger, Fuse Washington, Senator Claire Wilson, uh, Senator Mona Doss, Representative Nicole Macri. Are there uh, other endorsements that have been particularly meaningful to you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I was thinking about this question earlier as well because. Um, as you know, Stefan, last year I ran for King County Council District 5 and did one of the things that I never imagined that I would do, which was run for office. And while I was running for office, I was finishing up my doctorate in education. I was working full time at the county and mothering two children in a pandemic. And there's often that, that guilt, that mommy guilt that I think many of us experience uh, or parent guilt in general. Um, and, you know, when the opportunity to run for this open seat came up, 
initially I, w- I wasn't, you know, uh, super gun ho about it because I thought, well, I just ran, took a lot of time for my kids, sacrificed a lot. Um, but after hearing from elected officials and uh, from consultants and so many people who believed in me, uh, I had a conversation with my children, uh, Amani, who is 12 and Kali, who is 10. And I asked them, mommy, you know, what do you think about this potential run? I am thinking about it, but I would not do it without your blessings. And my 10 year old son said, mommy, this is your dream. And I support you in chasing Mm -hmm. after your dream. And uh, that endorsement, I think, uh, from my kiddos means the world to me. I would not be doing this without their blessing. Oh, man, that touches my heart. I love that. Um, You know, you you mentioned that you said you, you never dreamed you would run for office. Was there a particular moments in your mind where that that changed and, and what was it what what made you ultimately the first time want to run for office absolutely not seeing people that look like me that bring my lived experience uh, in this political space was one of the reasons that i thought about being here you know i think uh, representation is important i think seeing people who look like you a uh, daring to dream is important and while i didn't have that growing up in this community i hope to be able to have young people who are you know years down the line maybe it doesn't make sense now but years down the line who are able to say hey i too can dream because candidates like shukri put themselves out there and did it and that possibility uh, becomes easier for them. Well, you inspire me, my friend. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time today. Uh, before I let you go, just tell people how they can get involved with your campaign. You can get involved with our campaign by reaching out at electshukri.com. We have an incredible field director, Black Diamond City Council member, Christiana De Leon, who is out here getting volunteers and running around and is obsessed with dogs. I mean, it's, uh, you know, borderline addiction right now, but um, you can reach out to her and she'll tell you more. I actually want to pivot to Christiana to share more about ways that folks can volunteer as we're uh, at the finish line to the primary. Perfect. Christiana, take yeah. it away. Okay. Yeah. Uh, oh my gosh. Well, it, I'm on the spot now, but it's been really good. Um, some of the best doorbelling I've ever had. Um, and you know, I've done a little bit of this in my life so far, so it's a really great way to get involved. Um, you're welcome to email me, um, Christiana, K-R-I-S-T-I-A-N-A at electiocree.com. Um, and there's also a lot of different ways just going on uh, social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, we're frequently sharing events. There's one more kind of bigger meet and greet campus push that'll be happening uh, Sunday at 10 a.m. at Auburn's uh, Veterans Memorial Park. Um, it's usually at 1 p.m., but due to the heat, we just moved it to a little bit earlier. But also, you know, whatever works for you in these last few days is when it works best for everybody, likely. So, um, we can give you your own phone banking list. We can give you your own individual um, turf to just like you can doorbell your neighborhood if you're living in the 47th, if you like. So sure. really, especially because we live in um, the kind of community or the 47th LD is such a community that's you know incredibly diverse and also has a lot of different career paths. Um, people don't always work nine to fives. So that's where I just say if you are, you know, whenever you're available to canvas in this area of the 47th, go for it. Um, we'd love to have you on the team. And I can fully uh, confirm that um, dogs are definitely one of the big bonuses of any campaign race, <laughs> including this. Also, cats. Don't want to leave them out. Um, sure. Cat friendly as well. Us too. Yeah. That's, yeah. They've joined us on these campaigns where they just follow us around and they go door to door with us. So 
If that doesn't tell you enough about why you should be supporting Shukri, I don't know what does. Dog people, cat people, everybody is welcome. Christiana, thank you for that. And and Dr. Shukri, always such a pleasure. Uh, You are an inspiration, as I say. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you so much, my friend Stefan, and to the folks at Indivisible. Thank you for all that you do to help advance our nation and align it with our espoused values. Much love. The executive producer of the Washington Indivisible podcast is Kat Pipkin. If you would like to see a video replay of this or any of our interviews, head to facebook.com slash indivisible podcast. The email for the show is indivisiblepodcast at gmail.com. Special thanks to Lori Colwell. And as always, my thanks to you for listening. I'm Stephen Cox, and we'll see you next time. Bye.